The following program is sponsored in part by the MedLearn Media Spooky Sale. Save 31% on educational products from Rack Monitor, ICD-10 Monitor, and MedLearn Publishing now through October 31st. We've been waiting for you. Come on in. It's Talk 10 Tuesday with Chuck Buck and Dr. Erica Raymer. Substituting for Erica today is Dr. James Kennedy. Join us as we welcome AHEMA CDI practitioner Karen Carr. She has an update on the new CDI practice brief for achieving compliant queries. Today is the last day to submit your comments. Listen and learn what others are saying. We'll also get the results of a Talk 10 Tuesday survey on what you and others say are big problems with your revenue cycle. Reporting that is Dr. Ramesh Madhavan, founder and CEO of Tia Tech. Lori Johnson has her coding report. Tim Powell is at the Tuesday News Desk. Dr. John Zellam adds another entry in his journal. And Dr. Kennedy presents his point of view. Now here's the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, the host of Talk 10 Tuesday, and a valet who would never dream of taking your Bentley for a spin, Chuck Buck. Oh boy, I wish I had a belly. <laughs> Thanks, Clark Anthony. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 528th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. And good morning, Dr. James Kennedy. Great to be with you today, Chuck. Well, thank you, Dr. Kennedy. It's very nice to be here. And uh, as you know, one of the major stories that we've been reporting here is the update to the Yahima and Actus collaboration on the industry practice reef on how to achieve a compliant query. You and I have been talking about this quite a bit. Oh, this is most important, Chuck. You, this is going to set the tone for how CDI practice is practiced over the next uh, three to four years. It's also read by the OIG and the Department of Justice. They use this practice brief in, in looking at the compliance of programs. So we do, do indeed need to pay attention to it. Wow. Wow. That's very important, Jim. Thanks very much. You don't mind if I call you Jim, do you? Uh, That's fine, Jim and I. That's fine, Dr. Buck. Okay, Okay, yeah. I'll be Dr. Buck. You can be Dr. Kennedy. Thanks. And and we're also fortunate, uh, Jim, to have on our program today uh, the AHEMA CDI practitioner, Karen Carr. Karen's going to have an update on that brief. That's wonderful. And and I I am so glad that AHEMA is taking the leadership that they are in this and look forward to what she has to say. Absolutely. Uh, What's the subject of uh, of your point of view this morning, Jim? My point of view is going to be today, if CDI is a relationship between the physician and the coder, why is the physician group not a cooperating party in ICD-10? Oh, very good. Thanks very much. Look forward to your point of view. We have a lot of news to report, and we begin this morning with Tim Powell. Tim is at the Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk. Thanks, Chuck. And today I'd like to talk about the Skilled Nursing Home Special Focus Facilities Program. Last week, CMS announced that it was cracking down on poorly performing skilled nursing facilities by making changes to the Special Focus Facility, or SFF, program. The SFF program was created to find the poorest performing nursing homes in the country. These these facilities continue to be inspected roughly twice as often as all other nursing homes, and no less than every six months, and face increasingly severe enforcement actions if improvement is not demonstrated. Facilities must pass two consecutive inspections to complete the program. The changes announced today enhance the existing program. To be forced into this program, there are three major criteria. One, the facility had more than two times the average number of deficiencies. Two, the facility had more serious problems than other nursing homes. And three, the pattern of deficiency has persisted over a period of time. 
There are currently 88 nursing homes in the SSF program today. We applaud the changes. Facilities, we applaud the following changes. Facilities cannot graduate from the program without showing systemic improvements in quality. Two, moving to terminate the Medicare participation for facilities with certain deficiencies. And finally, adding tracking for adding tracking for performance declines that happen after the facility leaves the program. I'm going to be providing a link for a seat for the list of CFF of from CMS of the current facilities in the SFF program. And the list breaks the facilities into three categories. One is new additions, two is not improved, three is improving, four is facilities that have graduated or have gotten out of the program and shown 12 months of improvement. Four is facilities that have dropped out of Medicare and Medicaid. And finally, as a candidate list of facilities that qualify for the program. While this information is available to potential residents on the CMS Nursing Home Compare website, it does seem that a more proactive approach would, would be to require nursing homes to notify potential patients of their status on the list. It also seems that if only 88 of the over 15,000 skilled nursing facilities in the country are in the SFF program, the net may have been set too low. And with that, back to you, Chuck. Thanks, Tim. That was Tim Powell. Tim is a compliance expert and the national correspondent for ICD-10 Monitor. It is Tuesday. It's October the 25th, and you're listening to the 528th live edition of Talk Ten Tuesday. Stand by. It's that time of year, spooky time. And no one is more prepared to celebrate Halloween than Bend Learn Media. Now through October 31st, you can save a scary 31% on educational products from Rack Monitor, ICD-10 Monitor, and MedLearn Publishing. The swapping 31% discount is only applicable to certain products and cannot be used with any other discount or special offer. This scary offer is available until the stroke of midnight, October 31st. It's the annual MedLearn Spooky Sale. It's scary, it's shocking, and a great treat with no trick. Shop early for the MedLearn Spooky Sale on selected Rack Monitor, ICD-10 Monitor, and MedLearn Publishing educational products. To take advantage of this special 31% discount, enter promotional code SPOOKY22 at the time of checkout. Now's the time for the Talked In Tuesday Coding Report with Lori Johnson, and good morning, Lori Johnson. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Dr. Kennedy, and hello to our listeners. Last week, I talked about the other terminologies and classification systems that are used in healthcare. My article today, or my article was published in ICD10Monitor.com. This week, I wanted to pass along some updates for CPT and HCPCS. The American Medical Association, the AMA, released CPT 2023 on September 12th. There are 225 new codes, 75 deletions, and 93 revisions. Most of the changes fall in the evaluation and management section. The 2023 CPT codes are effective January 1st, 2023. The October 2022 release of HCPCS codes was posted on September 27th on the CMS website. This release includes 28 editions, one coverage and long description change, 10 coverage changes, 5 discontinues, 7 long description changes, 17 payment changes, and 7,527 no changes. 
CPT and HCPCS codes are used by hospitals and physician offices. On the hospital side, the CPT codes are used in inpatient code, or I'm sorry, outpatient coding. And on the physician side, CPT codes are, are assigned for visits. HCPCS and CPT codes are utilized in the charge master for hospital billing purposes. Are there any items that have a zero usage after review of your utilization and um, I'm sorry, revenue and utilization report. It is also important to meet with administration to discuss plans for new services for the coming year. It is also imperative that the charge master coordinator meet with departments to review the previous year's performance as well as plans for the coming year. The 2023 CPT book is helpful when reviewing the CPT codes for the ancillary department. The charged master prices will need updated based on 2023 rates. Ensure that the item descriptions accurately reflect the supply, drug, or service provided. All charge screens will need updated with added items and any changes. If you are charging on documentation, review what documentation drops the charge. Lastly, update the price transparency file that is published on your website. This update will provide your patients with an accurate estimate of charges. A minor update will be needed after the January 2023 release of the HCPCS codes. And with that, back to you, Dr. Kennedy. Thank you, Laurie. This is Laurie Johnson, Senior Health Consultant, Revenue Cycle Solutions. Wonderful, wonderful segment on CPT. Back to you, Chuck. Thank you, Jim. And Laurie Johnson, thank you again very much. ICD-10 Monitor and TIA Tech are teaming up to tackle inefficiencies in revenue cycle management to ensure that all your claims are captured and paid in a timely manner using smart technology. Here now to report the results of that survey is the founder and CEO for TIA Tech, Dr. Rumish Ramadan. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Uh, thank uh, MedLearn Media for this opportunity. Uh, as an introduction, I have been a practicing neurologist for over three decades an associate chief medical officer in a university, an administrator, and now an entrepreneur. So uh, I'd like to start off with defining revenue cycle management as a simple process, though it's made complicated, right from the steps of initial appointment or encounter to the payment of the bill balance. Now, Tech and MedLearn conducted a survey to understand the holdups in the RCM process. And in this, 150 hospital administrators, compliance and audit staff, coders, and billers participated. The results show discontent, disconnect, and widespread dissatisfaction of the current revenue cycle process. 40% of the participants attributed the reason to physicians not creating or signing notes, 25% to the delay in coding, 20% to payers holding up charges or claims, and about 5% to delays in bill submission. Now, why are physicians not creating or signing notes? So I did some evidence search. And we found a study where 100 million patient encounters from 155,000 physicians 
of 417 health systems, and we found uh, that about uh, an average of 16 minutes per encounter is spent uh, on non-patient-related activities, uh, which includes five minutes for chart review, four minutes for documentation, and three minutes for ordering tests on the EHR. So this definitely shows why physician documentation is delayed. Now, do you know that primary care physician in a solo practice spend about four to 10 hours a week directly interacting with health insurance companies rather than seeing patients on their own? And their staff spend an additional 60 hours a week on interacting with the insurances. Now, this could be the reason for the uncompensated times that lead to delays and holdups related to coding, billing, rejections, and delays in bill resubmission that was told by the surveyors. Now, do we have solutions? Yes, I think so. Technologies with automation, concurrent data mining, and artificial intelligence have simplified the complex RCM business process. We have platforms that are more transparent and easy to use. It has concurrent audits and more accountability. It has zero trust functionality. It has real time and concurrent processing. To conclude, the staff definitely have rapid access to insurance information. Medical practices are able to readily track the patient encounters. It streamlines eligibility, pre-authorization process using decision support systems. Providers and administrators can see rejections, collections, and patient balances. The platform also has secure communication to ease communication between providers, coders, and billers. Thank you, Dr. Madhavan. That was the founder and CEO for Tia Tech, Ramesh Madhavan. We continue with our series here on Tech Tuesdays called Journaling John MD. Here now is the Journaling John MD, Dr. John Selim. Good morning, Dr. Selim. Good morning, sir, and good morning to everybody. And actually, unplanned, this presentation is a great corollary to what has just been presented on revenue, clinic, revenue cycle management. Because I get asked, many times, what is clinical revenue cycle? And sometimes that actually comes from a person in revenue cycle. So let's start first with the definition of revenue cycle for healthcare. It essentially is the life cycle of a typical patient encounter from admission to registration to final payment and or adjustment off of the account receivables. That really includes a plethora of bits of data and information, and it can be hard to wrap one's head around how complex that can be even for a simple encounter. But what is re clinical revenue cycle? Clinical revenue cycle is the variable component of revenue cycle management that can make a difference, significant difference in the charges that are involved in an episode of care and are dependent upon the five components, which are utilization review, case management, physician advisor, clinical document integrity, documentation integrity, and coding. These five components typically have disparate platforms that don't talk to each other, making it hard 
sometimes impossible to bring it all together. Why is it important to understand clinical revenue cycle? Because there's a significant influence on the charges and the rationale that leads to them. This can also be a significant sources of process denials that we see from the payers, aside from the technical denials that occur in the RCM arena. It is also important to understand that there are direct and indirect costs that come into play. In healthcare, direct costs are attributable to the, to the product and services that are provided, simplified as overhead, such as bed and board, housekeeping, dietary, etc. Indirect costs are the variable costs that are based on that product or service, such as inpatient versus observation. So let me give you a couple of real-time examples that are affected in clinical revenue cycle. Number one, if the physician documentation provided does not support the acuity for an inpatient level of care, CDI will not get involved. And this can have an effect on accurate documentation for services provided. But from a financial point of view, and using Medicare fee-for-service as the mantra, or as I call it, or the example, and these are just general figures, the delta between reimbursement for an inpatient versus an observation stay may be $3,000 to $3,500. If a mistake or a lack of review occurs and a patient is kept in observation that may have qualified for inpatient for whatever reason, that is a loss of that amount of revenue to the hospital not to include the potential financial challenges to the Medicare beneficiary for being an observation. If that mistake is made once a day, 365 days a year, that is a loss of 1.4 to 1.6 million in revenue to that facility. And in reality, if that mistake is made once a day, chances are it's made more than once a day. But if you make that mistake more than once a day, you can do the math. In addition, this can lead to process denial. The conclusion to be made from this information, although summarized briefly, is that an understanding of clinical revenue cycle in the revenue cycle management realm can have significant financial consequences to a hospital. Processes must be compliant and correct for hospitals to gain the sustainable revenue they truly deserve for the care they provide. Back to you, Dr. Kennedy. Thank you so much. That was John Zellum. John Zellum is founder of Streamlined Solutions Consulting and physician advisor to Cameron Memorial Community Hospital. Back to you, Chuck. Thank you very much. Thank you both. And a program note, you're listening to the 528th live edition of Talking Tuesday. Stand by. What do you do when CMS unloads barrels and barrels of new codes into your lap like fallen leaves? How do you stay on top of your game as a coding expert? You subscribe to the ICD-10 Monitor Coding Portal. For an unbelievably low subscription of $35, you have access to the superstars of coding, Lorianne Bryant, Dr. Erica Reamer, Terry Fletcher, and Laurie Johnson. You also have access to more than 40 educational webcasts, Plus, you'll earn CEUs to maintain your credentials. The retail value? More than $5,960. But for a limited time, your subscription is only $35 per webcast, a savings of 75%. Do what the smart folks at Duke University did. They subscribed, and so should you. Subscribe today to the ICD-10 Monitor Coding Portal. Coming up next, our lead story. 
The Talk 10 Tuesday lead story is presented by Hitex. Hitex is a clinical informatics organization dedicated to bringing the most advanced technology and people to assist healthcare professionals at the point of care. Find them at Hitex.com. As you heard us mention at the top of the broadcast today, Tuesday, October the 25th, is the last day for you to submit your comments to the updated industry CDI brief on achieving a compliant query. So even though today is the last day to submit your comments, we wanted to find out from AHIMA what they're hearing on the updated CDI product brief. That's why we asked Karen Carr, a CDI practitioner at AHIMA, to join us this morning. Good morning, Karen. Karen, thanks for being here, and what's the update? Good morning, and thank you for inviting me to Talk 10 Tuesday. And you are correct. Today is the last day to submit comments on the 2022 update to the Guidelines for Achieving a Compliant Query Practice. This practice brief was published on October 10th, and on October 11th, Melissa Potts, one of my coworkers at AHIMA, spoke to some of the changes to that practice brief on this podcast. Since published, this practice brief has been available for review by the industry and open for comments. If you have not already provided feedback, you still can, and the link is available in um, the podcast notes. AHIMA and Actus collaborated to bring subject matter experts to from each organization together to co-author this practice brief. And then based on industry feedback regarding changes we're seeing in the health information industry, we all agreed an update to the practice brief was clearly needed. There's now a greater use of electronic query templates and CDI technology that may potentially pose an issue related to query compliance. And both of these issues are addressed in the practice brief. There was also a lot of feedback regarding different interpretations of some industry terms. These included the use of unable to determine as a reasonable response option and what that response option means and how it has been interpreted differently within the industry. So although unable to determine can be used as a reasonable response option, it is no longer required and greater clarity to its definition is included to support consistent interpretation. The authors also work to clarify many questions regarding clinical indicators, um, the role of previous encounters, and the use of the problem list within the health record. One of my favorite additions is the use of the term query professional. I think we often think only coding and CDI professionals are issuing queries, but that's not always the case. So the intent of the term query professional is that any person that is issuing a documentation query must follow the guidelines outlined in this practice brief. And this practice brief is considered an industry standard regarding query compliance. And as Dr. Kennedy mentioned earlier, it can be referenced in legal proceedings and government audits. So clarity in the wording is of the utmost importance. We are receiving valuable feedback now About the practice brief, there's been many positive comments regarding the update, and we have seen some comments regarding the opportunity to provide further clarity, either by some rewording or where um, examples might be beneficial to further clarify the information provided. And again, clarity is of the utmost importance. So any area that seems unclear to the reader, please let us know. Both AHIMA and ACTIST are here to support the CDI industry, which is why this open comment period has been established. And again, today is the last day for comments, so if you have not already done so, please click that link and get started. After today, the updated practice brief authors will meet to collaborate 
in the review of the industry feedback and update the practice brief as needed based on that feedback. The release date of the final version will be determined after this review and update has been completed. Currently, we're not sure how long that will take because we do want to thoroughly consider all comments and recommendations before releasing that final version. So thank you to everyone who has already submitted comments, and thank you to those of you that will send them today. And thank you, Chuck and the Talk 10 team, for allowing me this time to update everyone on the next steps to finalize this brief. So back to you, Dr. Kennedy. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful synopsis from Karen Marini-Carr, CDI practitioner at AHIMA in Chicago, Illinois. Back to you, Chuck. Thank you both. And remember, today is the last day to submit your comments regarding the AHIMA Act, the CDI practice brief. And now is the time for our point of view with Dr. James Kennedy and uh, Jim. I'd like to hear your comments about the HEMA practice brief. I know we've talked about it many times. Give me your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much. And I am really, really grateful that AHIMA is taking the lead that it is taking in developing these industry standards so that we have some guardrails and some boundaries by which we practice. In fact, this first started in 2001 when Sue Prophet, now known as Sue Bowman, wrote the, uh, the first practice brief in 2001. And this was back at a time when CMS was very, very upset about DRG creep, and in fact was even threatening to inhibit query processes to start with. Sue's leadership helped preserve the query process between coders and physicians, and we now are in the CDI process that we're having today. This practice brief has been updated multiple times, 2008, 2013, 2016, 2019, now what we have today. However, I do want to call to our attention that this is labeled the AHIMA and the ACDIS practice brief. Where are doctors in this title? Is not CDI the joint effort? between physicians and coders to obtain clear, consistent, precise, and clinically valid documentation essential to coding. The ICD guidelines say that without this documentation in the record, we cannot act, get the accurate codes that accurately reflect the patient's conditions or treatments, which is essential to have an, an administrative data set necessary to, for epidemiology, quality measurement, and also reimbursement. Back in the about 2015, the American Medical Association actually passed a resolution asking for a fifth cooperating party with ICD-10. Given today, the four cooperating parties is the CDC, CMS, AHIMA, and the American Hospital Association. Where are the doctors? Uh, we Physicians, if physicians are not at the table, we're on the menu. Be aware that this practice brief, at least in its draft form, will expand uh, the, the boundaries into the CPT arena. So given that the Department of Justice is using the query practice briefs in its litigation against Kaiser, given that we are now coming up to the, to the greatest changes in evaluation and management, uh, codings with the inpatient EM leveling changes uh, this coming January. 
given that we are seeing ICD-11 CM coming down the boy, in my mind, if to have the American Medical Association's name on the brief, it's it having be passed by the House of Delegates and equal participation uh, with the CDI encoding industry will only bring respect to for what we are all trying to do, which is get the documentation and the record in the most cost-efficient and time-efficient manner, and then be able to defend the good work we're doing when the government comes calling. So grateful again for everything that AHIMA is doing in this work, and I hope that you all will comment today as to what this brief will say. Back to you, Chuck. Thanks, Jim, very much. And that is going to be a wrap for our 528th live edition of Talk Dead Tuesday. And I want to thank our panelists today, Rumi Shramada, Tim Powell, uh, Lori Johnson, Dr. John Selim, and Karen Carr from Mahima, who reported our lead story. And a special thanks to you, Dr. James Kennedy, who substituted today for Dr. Eric Arima. Really appreciated your setting in today at the very last minute. And remember, you can listen to all the Talk 10 Tuesday broadcasts on Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. And when you do, rate us. Give us a review. Until next Tuesday, I'm Chuck Buck reporting for Talk 10 Tuesday and Isaac Monitor. Have a great week, everybody. Talk 10 Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.